When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. AFL National Draft preseason and rookie draft is done for 2023. Mick Ablett did a great job on the Fox footy coverage and also has been great with Sam Edmund over the last six weeks giving us a preview. So it's time to review with Mick who joins us. Hello, Mick. Morning, Jules. How are you, mate? I'm very well. I hope you're well as well. Just interested to get your thought, overall thoughts on the draft. I thought that first night in particular was as good as we've seen in terms of interest and things changing in two or three minutes. I'm just interested to get your thoughts on particularly how that first night worked. I couldn't agree more. I, I thought it was the best round one I've ever been involved in, Jules, in my time. I, I just thought it had everything. It had academy players, it had father-sons, it had bids, it had trades. And, you know, and then to get out to, to 29 picks, I thought it was something we should celebrate. I know there's been a lot of chatter around, you know, the Northern Academies mm. and the Gold Coast Suns getting access and all this sort of stuff. But, gee whiz, I mean, at some stage, how about we celebrate the positives? And that's a fact that, you know, round one's gone to 29 players and it's just great for the game. So I think it was the highest rating round one, um, from what I understand, yep. from a broadcast perspective. and. No surprises with all the build-up that we have through social media and the excitement around the talent that's coming through. I, I just thought it was a remarkable night. Yeah, the, the Gold Coast Academy stuff, it's been, I don't know, but I think it's been a bit of, bit of whinging, to be honest. But just on the, the NGA Academies for the other 14 clubs, so we saw four players between picks 28 and 39 selected by other clubs. Lance Collard, who was tied to West Coast, got to St Kilda. Mitch Edwards, tied to Frio, went to Geelong. Uh, young Toe Jath, who's gone to Collingwood, tied to Hawthorne, and Lamont Lawal, tied to the Dogs, went to Essen. And if we got, we, there was an outcry a few years ago when Jamari Eugle Hagen was pick one from the NGA Academy, and then the rules changed, and you can't get them in the the first, you can't match bids in the first forty picks. Now, if we got that right now, do you think, or does that need another another bit of a review? No, I don't think we have, Jules. I mean, you can throw Isaac Quainer in. In yep. that mix too, he was another one that was uh, was taken very early in the draft, and again, rightfully so. But look, you know, I, I just think if you use the Coates League as an example, those clubs do a fantastic job at engaging Indigenous talent, engaging multicultural talent. They've already got the players in the pathway. So, you know, now that AFL clubs can't match the bids. Um, inside 40, I understand why there's a, re- a reluctance to invest heavily in the players. I mean, most of the, the guys that they want are the top-end talent that they don't get access to. So that's understandable. If the AFL's giving approximately $60,000, I think at, at the beginning it was around about $140,000 to the AFL clubs to invest in the NGA program, give that money to the, to the Coach League clubs, to the Sample clubs, to the Waffle clubs, you know, so that they can do it better. Because I'm sure if they had an additional $60,000 or whatever it happens to be, their ability to invest, potentially put on another resource and do it even better than what they're already doing, it would absolutely reap 
incredible reward. So I, I, I don't think we've got it right. I like the idea of it. I know what we're trying to achieve. Let the clubs do it. They're already doing it. Give them a little bit of extra cash to do it even better. So would you remove the academies from the AFL clubs? Is that what you're saying? I don't. I wouldn't remove them as such because I think it's a great opportunity. If you look at the Gold Coast Academy kids and, and those in the northern markets, we can see it's clearly, mm. you know, an advantage that they get to spend time in an AFL club and they develop them. And you know, some of the guys you mentioned, Jamara Hagen, uh, Mitch Edwards, Lance Collar, these sorts, of, Isaac Quainer, those sorts of players that have come through the system, it definitely assists them by spending a little bit of time in an AFL club. My point is, in terms of going out, attracting them, engaging them, being able to get them to training consistently and the like, that's the job of of state league clubs. So put the money back there and let them do it even better than what they're already doing it. And then give the AFL clubs access to bring the players in. And I'm sure they're not going to argue if they get a closer look at these guys over the course of the season. But what they're not doing is actually investing time and money and energy into players that a lot of the time they uh, you know they don't get direct access to but I still think there's a place for it I think it's a great idea in principle I just think the investment needs to go back to the the state league clubs rather than that money going into the AFL clubs yeah we've got to keep the northern academies no doubt about that I heard Tony Cochran last night saying you can't have it both ways we lost Tom Lynch and Stephen May and we were told you know the go home factor and you got to produce your own talent now we produce four and we're going to have a few more in the coming years and we're still getting criticised. So you can't have your cake and uh, eat it too. Just uh, on um, one of the players that fascinates me is because we had him on the run home prior to the draft. We had him on again last night is George Stevens, who if 10 out of 10 for character and his footy CV stacks up pretty well as well. How did he slip to pick 58? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that answer, mate. He. You know, he's a Coach League Team of the Year representative in the centre. So, you know, and I watched his, his game, particularly for Geelong VFL against Collingwood. And, you know, he had 29 disposals and four clearances. So he's, he's proven at that level against grown men that he's got the capacity to, to adapt and, and to jump straight in and perform at a very, very high level. I, I guess the concern's probably going to be that, um, you know, he's not... not quite as lean as what some of the other players are. There might be a question mark over his ability to cover the ground. Um, But look, from a character perspective, from what he was able to do and how he was able to perform on field across all levels this year, I'm not 100% sure how he gets through to where he did. He might be the first draftee that goes in and loses weight. He's that strong, just over 100 uh, kilos as a midfielder. So it's going to be a little bit... uh, Different for Georgia. Look, we knew the Gold Coast were going to have a really strong hand with the academy. Obviously, North Melbourne with five picks in the first round. But now that's all over, is there a couple of clubs you sit back and you go, for the hand that you had, you couldn't have really done much better? Yeah, there was three for me. And, and like you say, you take out um, the, the clubs that had access to the high-end picks, the Gold Coast Suns, North Melbourne. But I, I really liked what the Adelaide Crows did. I thought they had an outstanding drafting what they were able to do. I mean, you look at the way they got up and, and got Daniel Curtin. They got aggressive. They got Charlie Edwards, who's a, a 190-centimetre midfielder out of the Sandringham Dragons that really came on late in the year. So I thought they were outstanding. 
I thought of Bombers. I thought Adrian Dodoro, look, whether that turns out to be his last draft or not, I just thought for him to get aggressive, I know that second round pick was, um, you know, that was as a result of the Jake Gresham deal. So that was a pick they didn't really possess in the first place. So to get up and, and get Nate Caddy, who I think is going to be an outstanding player, and then to pick up, you know, Luamon Lawal and, and most importantly, Archie Roberts. He was another one, Jules, that, you know, we talk about sliders in George Stevens, but Archie Roberts is surgical on his on his left foot in his ability to find targets and, and really hurt the opposition. So I thought the Bombers had a, an outstanding nine. Adrian Dodoro did a great job. Uh, and my third one was Melbourne. I, I think Melbourne... You know, Caleb Windsor was someone I had a lot, a lot of time for. Reminded me in the way he moved of Lockie Whitfield. Yeah, one of those guys that's got the ability to draw forwards into the footy. Um, you know, he's he's just a, a beautiful mover, and he's the sort of guy that you want kicking the ball. Um, and then Colton Falstaff. I'm interested, Jules. I know there's a lot of things that happen in the game. I'm not an advocate for changing rules year in year out, but I'm not sure how much longer the medical sub's gonna. Mm stick around for and and if we get to the point where they drop the medical sub and we have five on the bench and it becomes a, a little bit more of a, a power game, I think players like Colton Falstrup are just going to become absolutely vital to club success and, you know, he sort of looks to me like he's got the potential in another couple of years' time to be a, a Christian Petrarca, Jordan Degoe type player and, you know, we've already seen the way he plays up forward in, in the mould of Camarena, so I think... I think those three clubs had very, very good nights. Is there one player in particular you were most wrapped for that they've, they've got an opportunity? Like, for me, it was Manor from Werribee. I mean, he has to be on an AFL list with what he did over the last couple of years, and particularly in the grand final. But was, was there one player you're like, I'm just so happy they're actually going to get an opportunity? Yeah, I agree with you. For me, it was, it was Sean Manor, and um, I just think it reiterates the fact that there are opportunities for players that, you know, that get overlooked as an 18-year-old. So we constantly tell players, hang in there. There's going to be opportunities. You've just got to continue to work. And only takes one club to give you a chance. And that's easy for us to sit and say to a young man whose hopes and dreams have been shattered. But it does actually drive that point home that there are still opportunities. So, you know, it was great to see Sean Manigo. And the other one for mine, Jules, was Cal Shadir. Yeah. I just thought, you know, in that moment... For him to get his opportunity to, to pull on a Hawthorne footy club jumper and follow in the footsteps of his late father, who was you know, one of the great champions and former Norm Smith medalist, and for the family uh, to be able to celebrate that success and, and actually cry some, some tears of joy instead of some tears of pain, mm. I just thought it was one of, the, um, one of the great moments of this year's draft. Absolutely. And Mick, in about a minute before I let you go, it was meant to be a shallow draft this year. We had 64 players uh, selected. Uh, Putting our uh, forward-thinking hats on, how are we looking for next year? You got you know some names that stand out: Camparelli twins, Scotty Welsh, son Tyler, Levi Ashcroft. Uh, how strong or weak is next year's draft looking? Because every year they say it's thin, and it doesn't turn out to be. No, oh, it's amazing, Jules, isn't it? Every year's a shallow draft as long as I've been been in the game, which absolutely infuriates me. You know, sixty-four picks. I think reiterates. Uh, the fact that it certainly was far from that and guys like Ari Schoenmaker going within the last couple of picks, George Stevens, it's just rubbish and I wish uh, wish that would cease at some stage and we'd, we'd be a little bit more positive. But looking to next year, 
it looks heavily dominant from a midfield perspective. There, there won't be the tools. I mean, the amount of guys that were over 200 centimetres this year, which came into the competition, was something I've never seen before. So I thought positionally there was, you know, there was something for everyone this year, whereas next year does look an exciting group. It looks to be a very classy midfield group. So that's something to look forward to. But Know, not necessarily the um, the breadth of tools that we had in the 2023 draft. Uh, it was a fantastic draft, as you say. That first night was absolutely uh, compelling viewing. Um, we look forward to it happening all again next year. Mick, thanks for your time uh, on the captain's run over the last six weeks. Our audience have loved it. And uh, well done to you and the Fox footy team for your coverage on the two nights of the draft. Uh, thanks very much, Jules. Appreciate the opportunity and all the best to those young men on their journey forward. Mick Ablett, uh, AFL uh, talent uh, Absolute guru has been fantastic uh, on the captain's run over the last six weeks.